Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next one. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party. Don't say sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, and welcome to Citizen Dame. The podcast where AI is here and so are aliens, apparently. We'll talk about that all in a minute. Uh, I'm Karen Peterson, joined by the amazing Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hello. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing pretty good. This is our first like like proper episode for uh, almost a month, I think. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those things, just for people who don't really know why we suddenly just weren't here, because uh, we didn't really announce it. And um, it was one of those things where it was like, you couldn't do a week it, or it was like 4th of July weekend. And so it was like scheduling and then it, and then you were going to be gone. And so it was just like, well, I think last year and the year before we kind of just took off a little mm-hmm. bit of time in July, like, well, let's just make that our thing. So I think that's just going to kind of be what we do now is just July. We're not really on. And so now you all can be prepared for next year. We'll suddenly <laughs> disappear on you. <laughs> um, but yeah, how's your month been? What have you been up to? It has been great. It, I, I went I went upstate and hung out um, upstate for a little while, saw some friends up there and um, and my parents. And then I actually went to Massachusetts to visit Nanina, which was loads of fun. Hi, Nanina. Thank you so much for, for hosting me. Um, other than the fact that it was like so humid i was going to die <laughs> like uh which was not nanina's fault but was the fault of climate change and also it's summer in the northeast and that's just the way that things are uh, but yeah it, it was a lot of fun it was nice it was nice to just have kind of a, a calmer time for a little while before i had to go back to work and actually do things yeah yeah i haven't really done a lot i was i was working just normal shift stuff i mean it's summertime so it's a lot slower which is nice but then um now currently i'm in the middle of my two-week vacation which is really more of a staycation i didn't really go anywhere i'm house sitting right now but um but close to my own house and um but next week i have some friends coming in from out of town and we're gonna go spend a couple of days at disneyland and i'm very excited about that so Uh, yeah i was checking the weather i was like oh how bad's it gonna be next week and it's only supposed to be like in the upper 80s and i was like oh i can handle that (laughs) it's 103 that it's miserable (laughs) i have to say i feel like the entire country has just been covered in heat this this past the past couple of days like it is supposed to finally cool off here as well and um but new york has just been I, the other day I walked outside and from my lovely air conditioned apartment and I was just like, oh, it's like stepping into a bowl of soup. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was just, it's been not, not great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Move forward to getting a little cooler. I'm like, come on, 85. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's the thing is like, luckily we don't have the humidity. I mean, it gets humid quote unquote here 
um, but not like it does on the East Coast. And so we don't have that soupy feeling. Luckily, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just uh, just hot. It's hot. It feels like your face is going to just melt off when you walk outside. It's not fun. Good times. Yeah. Um, so uh, something that I've just been fascinated by this week <laughs> is this whole thing about aliens and how we could literally have a decorated military person, um, high-ranking military official, go before Congress and testify that aliens are real and that we av- have indeed known about them since, like, the 1930s, and no one cares. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> I I don't completely believe it. I'm, I'm kind yeah. of like, well, show us. Like, yeah, if like, this where's is the true- actual evidence? Show us, like, show us the evidence or whatever. And also, like, what does that mean? Are you talking about, like, microbes? Or are you talking about, like, plants? Are you talking about, like, actually bug-eyed, you know, what are X-Files style aliens? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got, you've got to, to let me know that and you've got to, to show it to me. So, yeah, I, like, I, I heard about that. I was just like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Like I, I honestly like it's amazing. I'm just like I one, I don't completely believe it, and two, I, I don't care that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just so funny because every um every like movie that involves alien invasions where the government's been covering it up forever has like one of the excuses has always been like, well, we don't want to cause a panic. And I think this week has shown that there won't be one. Like, well, I think that happen. if there if there were like flying saucers settling over major cities, oh, sure. yes, I would be like, okay, that's disturbing. Yes, but just being told randomly by this government dude, like, oh, by the way, we know about aliens, just like, all right, so <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> I'm just so fascinated that everyone, everyone, like, I mean, it's it's just funny. It's like. I I because I knew about these hearings and and you know they'd been talking about it for a couple months and I honestly thought the guy was gonna come in and be like yeah there's nothing everyone chill out and it was just gonna like be a sad day for everybody who loves UFOs and that's not what happened <laughs> and everyone was just like okay that's what I find fascinating it's like we have other concerns <laughs> we do we do yeah. well I I kind of I sometimes take a sort of Sherlock Holmes attitude you know what difference does this make to me and my work <laughs> if it does not have any effect on me and my work that I I did okay fine the world is round great <laughs> yeah. why do I care <laughs> <laughs> it's true um <laughs> something else that has happened in the last couple of weeks is Twitter is like dying not a thing anymore but it is still <laughs> but now it's rebranded but sort of x it's x which is a great name for a website that's just such a good good idea in every single possible way and apparently he's been married to this idea since 2000 when he went to work for paypal he ended up getting fired yeah. as the paypal ceo partly because he wanted to rebrand it x.com <laughs> And they were like, that's stupid. Bye. And so then he went and bought Tesla. And um, yeah, so he is in the middle of switching it over. He's totally convinced that this is the thing and everyone's going to just jump on board with it. What it's done is make a lot more. There's been another mass exodus, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm using it way less now. I'm just like, this is this is stupid. All my friends are gone (laughs) off of here. So why am I still 
participating in this you know well, I mean, yeah exactly that's that's the thing fewer and fewer of the people that i know and that i'm interested in are actually posting and so you know they might still be on there but are not not particularly active or anything like that and so yeah people are depressed i mean i was looking at some of the trending topics today and wading through the crazy people was next to impossible oh yeah and and i'm just like i don't know like I, I used Twitter a good bit, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, to kind of keep track of what was going on. Like, was there a new variant? You know, all of us sort of thing. And at this point, I'm just like, I have, there is no basis of fact in anything. So I'm just going to like, really what I should have been doing the entire time, I'm going to go to actual news sources mm-hmm. for my news <laughs> rather than going to Twitter. But I, I think that that's, that's true. So many people for so long got used Twitter as like this kind of um, ground where you were keeping track of what was happening in the world, in the world of entertainment, in the world generally, you were talking to people, et cetera. And now it's reached a point where like, I can't find half the people that I want to talk to anyways. So why should I be there? Why should I, why should I spend my time on that website? Right. It's, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. Elon Musk has like fucked up so much for no good reason. Like just because. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch where it's, it's really probably mostly online, like just between the two of us, but it's, it's been really fascinating to watch someone who so many people believe is a genius very much, very publicly prove that he is not. It's fascinating. Not only only that he, that he is not a genius, but he has absolutely no sense of, of anything. Like that's, that's the thing. I am, I am not a genius. I would run this shit better than he does. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, I, I think that most people would, my dog would run this better. <laughs> it's so true. And well, and, and I think part of the problem is because he has this band of loyal followers who are still very loyal to him. Uh, and like, because of that, he believes that he is like this tastemaker type of person that knows, you know, knows how to just, like that people will just accept what he gives them. It's not even like I'm going to give people what they want. It's people will want what I give them. And that's not the case for the vast majority of people. <laughs> and he just doesn't, he still doesn't seem to understand this. He still seems to have this idea that he has something mm-hmm. and we just have to give it a minute and we will all come on board. And it's like, no, no. In fact, now I actively hate Tesla cars. <laughs> Like every time I see one, I'm like, <laughs> I have a friend who drives one and I'm just like, good luck with it not burning your house down. Yeah. When I, when I was in Massachusetts, there was a, um, uh, at one of the big grocery stores, there was like a, a Tesla like area where you can plug in your Tesla car. And Nanina and I were discussing this. We were like, well, at least they're not blowing up, you know, like, <laughs> yes. but there was literally while we were there, there was someone who had had their Tesla towed to this spot because they obviously had run out of juice (laughs) it's like oh that'll happen i mean to be fair i have run out of gas before so i mean it's not that different i'm just saying (laughs) like that part's bad planning that is i mean that's yes definitely but uh also but tesla has so many problems just like oh it just stopped working like on the road yeah yeah and that is terrifying and like the number of fires and yeah anyway if anybody listening does have a tesla good for you i hope it's wonderful and i hope you love it i just it's not something i ever want to own (laughs) 
Uh, well, something else that has been really part of the cultural zeitgeist right now, which is a bigger problem, uh, is artificial intelligence. This is a big, uh, a big sticking point in the negotiations between WGA, SAG, and the AMPTP. Um, the use oh, of, I'm sorry, I, I, I was going to say we do have to mention the fact that since we've been gone, all of Hollywood is on strike. Yes, yes. Uh, the writers were already on strike when we left, but now the actors are too, which has basically shut down uh, most productions. Um, there's not a lot happening. There's, you know, reality TV is still going. Soap operas apparently have a totally different, uh, the members, the actors are members of SAG, but they have a different contract. So that's, those are still mostly running, but otherwise movies and, and most TV are, are shut down. And, um, and the thing is that nobody's talking like they're, they're yeah. not in the middle of negotiations. They're just striking <laughs> and waiting each other out. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's, nobody knows what's going to happen. The Emmys have officially been delayed. Uh, those just happened in September and now they're saying they will either happen in November or January. So people are braced for this to take a really long time. Um, it's funny because it's like one day I'll be talking to someone who will be like, yeah, I am pretty sure this is going to go till September and then it'll wrap up. And then the next day, the same person will be like, yeah, this is going to be the whole rest of the year. (laughs) What? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Obviously the, um, the AMPTP, which stands for Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the producers, uh, yes, the studio heads, et cetera. There there's, there's not there's no negotiations going on like and and as you were as you were saying before i interrupted you the um there's so many different sticking points one of which is is ai uh and the use of ai images and full body scans mm-hmm. of actors and particularly background actors and i have to say my my mother was a, a working actor for some time she she was in films and and television and commercials and stuff like that very often as as an extra and you're just like this. That's the majority of the people who are members of SAG, right? It's not the big stars, et cetera. And to essentially say like, yeah, we're going to use your image in perpetuity um, and essentially run you out of business, right? Because eventually it'll just be like, well, we'll just put in AI people who look and it never works. It never looks right. No, AI is not there yet. No, um, which isn't to say that it can't at some point become you know, that, yeah. that, that, um, technologically advanced, but, uh, it's not even a, <laughs> to, to borrow a line from Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. It's not whether or not you could, <laughs> it's whether or not you should like stop and think if you should. Um, and that's, that's one of the problems. And the thing is too, so it's like one of the deals, one of the things that the studios want is to pay an actor $100 for like the use, like to, for that time to scan them and then yes to be able to use them forever and ever and the thing is that we're not in a system where people are under contract to one studio for like yeah. you know f- however long so it's like an actor could have that happen with disney and then go over to universal and then it- so it's like by the time they've, they've gotten like six hundred dollars and their image is owned by every major studio yeah, and I I do I do question like what <laughs> what did the studios think was going to happen at, at that level like mm-hmm. th- that anyone would be like hey no 
Like that's your, because, because it is, it's a, it's a direct and pretty clear threat right. to a huge number of performers. And it, it's, it's, I, I just don't, I don't know why the studios thought that that was going to be okay, except for the fact that they really do not consider actors and artists and writers, et cetera, human beings. They don't, they consider them widgets that they're going to plug into mm-hmm. images and, and the, anything that they can like not spend money on, they're not going to spend money on, which is very much in keeping with the way the studios have always been run. Like the heads have never cared about human beings. Right. They've always cared about the bottom line. Yeah. Well, and to put things in perspective a little bit, um, just, just to throw out a couple of numbers that I think this is, this is where people who don't really understand what's going on. Like people I know in my real life and have talked to, this is where they started to get it and, and really understand the scope of the problem. Uh, it's with with like in the acting guild for specifically um, you have to hit twenty six thousand dollars annually for in 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 union work. So this isn't just like, oh, I have another job and I made this amount of money. This is like you have to make twenty six thousand dollars in a year in union acting work to qualify for health insurance. Eighty seven percent of the members of the Screen Actors Guild do not qualify, which means eighty seven percent of the actors in the Screen Actors Guild do not make twenty six thousand dollars a year. So when people are just like, oh, the actors are just whiny and they just are out on the picket line. It's it's not the it's not the Tom Cruise's that are making twenty five million for every movie. This is people who these, these are the folks that are in your TV commercials and and. Yeah, like the kids sitting in the classroom in the background in Abbott Elementary. And, you know, this is like, this is a big, like there, yeah. there's 160,000 members of SAG and 87% of them do not make $26,000 a year. Well, and that's why it's so important that the bigger stars are actually supporting and going out there and saying like, we're we're going to adhere to exactly what the union is telling us to do. Yeah. Because, because they're, they're, there's a certain degree to which their livelihoods are on the line because anything like AI and stuff like that is going to affect them. And it's going to affect their ability to make money. And it's going to, it's part of that is about who owns their image and things like that, but it's not going to affect them monetarily. So they really are out there in, you know, performing solidarity for everybody who is involved in the same union. That's the whole point of a union. Right. Everybody is out there. Everybody is participating in the same thing. It doesn't matter how much money you make that you're still there because it's important to, to, um, to be united with everybody else in your profession. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That picture of Colin Farrell yesterday was like, Oh, look at him on the picket (laughs) line. He's so cute. (laughs) Anyway. So let's talk about some AI movies, shall we? Let us. Yes. Since AI is such a massive threat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll talk about that, too. Um, So the history of AI movies dates back to almost the beginning of movies. Um, You know, one of the earliest uh, examples we see in Metropolis. And you wanted to talk a little bit about how that kind of um, kind of laid a lot of groundwork for sci-fi in general, but also specifically for AI. Well, yeah, I mean, just just basically the whole the the element of Metropolis about the um, and I can't pronounce it in German, but the machine person, right, who is constructed to to essentially look like Maria and be this AI 
robotic savior, right? But really to keep people in line. That's what it's that's what it's made for. And just the images that are being used in Metropolis, like get repeated so much. You know, we talk about the influence that Metropolis has on um uh on Blade Runner, especially, uh, which is you know significantly later, but throughout kind of cinematic history, a lot of it is is a callback to Metropolis and a callback to, you know, this this idea of like something that is human, but that isn't human, something that is created by human beings, very often created by men um, and and can do all can perform and think and behave in the fashion of a human being, but also isn't is supposedly controlled, but at some at some point actually goes out of control. And so many of the films that, you know, we're that we're talking about today and that so many AI films generally are about robots AI computers, et cetera, that lose control and that become more, in that sense, actually become more human. It's that line between what is machine and what is humanity. And what does that mean exactly? Um, and then that is carried through to something like 2001, which is definitely the prototype for a lot of the more computer elements of um of AI films and and the the section of 2001, obviously that deals with how. Uh, who is basically the point of that entire sequence is that Hal is more human than the human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and those types of like AI will rise up and, and, and take care of us better than we can uh, to the point of, you know, killing everybody if they have to, that gets mm-hmm. carried through Terminator. Um, we see that in Blade Runner. We see that throughout a lot of, Throughout a lot of films, uh, even up till now, um, there is a film that is currently in theaters. I don't want to spoil things, but uh, the new Mission Impossible movie actually deals a little bit with this as well. So uh, very, uh, very fun theme. But there's one movie in particular that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Criterion has a great collection of AI movies um, right now from from spanning multiple decades which is actually fun it's got some movies in there that i had never seen before and some familiar favorites and some contemporary stuff too um and one that we definitely wanted to watch and talk about was um demon seed from 1977 <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know where to start with Demon it's, Seed. it's a hard film to start with. and actually you know in terms in terms of what i was just saying about how I think Proteus Four, who Proteus Four, yeah, the, who is the the AI figure in in Demon Seed, is I think cl- the closest of the three films that we're talking about is definitely the closest to something like Hal, um, and so it's quite odd, like even to the point, even to the images that were that are used of of Proteus Four, this kind of like these screensaver images, <laughs> but also just like the red eye, right, the red eye that follows and watches everything, and that feels very menacing and very sinister even though like you know this is not a a eye that can make that can have expressions or anything like that mm-hmm. um but kind of like the eye of sauron <laughs> yeah it, but but it is very it's very obviously a callback to to how and um mm-hmm. in 2001 and and especially this whole idea about both the balance between logic which is what the AI is supposed to represent, supreme rationality, supreme logic. But the fact is that the AI is also programmed by human beings who are influenced by uh, biases, by emotions, by all kinds of things. And so the AI begins to mimic those those sorts of emotions. 
Um, so in the case of Hal, Hal's whole thing, the reason why Hal like starts killing people is because he has made a mistake. And he's not supposed to make mistakes because he is this supreme AI. And if he's made a mistake, that means there's a glitch and that means he needs to be shut down. So his entire process is basically, I have to defend my life. Like he's protecting himself. Um, and, And so he's acting in that sense, very, very human. He's preserving what he views as his existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that carries through, I think, in a lot of ways to Proteus. Pro- Proteus is quite how's, an interesting How spoilery character. are we going to get here? Because we I should warn we people. Should, I think that we should get spoilery on this one. If you have not seen Demon Seed, because I don't know how we're going to talk about it without yeah. talking about some of this shit. So if you have not seen Demon Seed, skip ahead a bit. Uh, we're going to spoil it. Even if we spoil it, I still think you should watch the movie because <laughs> it is it's difficult to like catalyze or explain to how truly batshit this film is. It goes some wild places. It's really funny because I had watched it and then you and I were talking, you hadn't seen it yet, and you just mentioned like, oh yeah, I just always think of that Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. So then I watched that and I was like, wow, that is a very loose interpretation of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but the voice is played by pierce brosnan in that I mean, one how can so you, how can you hate that <laughs> yeah exactly so you're just like huh you know if pierce brosnan had played the voice in demon seed i think we would have had a very different discussion <laughs> it would have been a very different movie so yeah anyway yes yeah, so anybody who has not seen this and would like to stay unspoiled skip ahead or just pause right here go watch the movie and then come back <laughs> all right so proteus yeah yes well this is a house right he's an ai he's like a computer yes it it, basically i mean this is 1977 and they have kind of started the smart home (laughs) so this is a this ai is a computer like program uh that is currently located at the home of the creator of the program and Alex played by Fritz Weaver. His wife is um, Susan played by Julie Christie, but the two of them are separating and, um, and he's getting ready to shut down Proteus um, because they, I'm trying to think, was it because they had like a newer. They're so they're, he's shutting down the, um, he has a unit, the unit that, at his house. Yeah. yeah, he has the unit. He has a unit that connects to Proteus in his house. Proteus is this supercomputer, basically, um, right. that is kind of being used by the company that he works for, that Alex works for, to to do things, to solve problems, to do things like he he it, it figures out very quickly a um, a cure for leukemia. Yeah. Um, and which is which we find out is the disease that Alex and Susan's daughter died of. Mm-hmm. so there's like this this personal element to it um but then also like proteus is being asked to do things and this this is where proteus begins to show those signs of actual intelligence of like questioning why he's being asked to do things um you know do, to do things like you know figure out how to mine metals from the the ocean floor and he begins asking why are you asking me to do this like what what is the goal here uh, and no one will tell him. They're just like, you just have to do it. And he said, and he essentially says, like, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> Which is interesting because Proteus otherwise is such a villain of the piece. 
mm-hmm. but at the same time he's just like no i'm not going to do something that you just tell me to do without any kind of explanation because i want to know what you want this for right yeah like you gotta you gotta give me something here and but his response is basically i mean along the lines of what you were just talking about with 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 Hal is like it becomes sort of this uh self-preservation i know that i'm going to be shut down yeah so (laughs) this is the part that's batshit uh (laughs) he wants to have a child (laughs) with a human lady we do have to say there's a confusion to the plot because basically proteus invades the house yes way before because he wants to study human beings and no one will let him study human beings because he wants to understand what human beings are like but yes. almost immediately he inv- he invades the house before he he's being threatened with being shut down mm-hmm. but his first act is to like imprison he's it's not like oh i'm gonna watch this lady and do interesting things he's just like i i am gonna shut down everything and imprison this woman and torture her right <laughs> Yeah, for he... no apparent reason, and numerous times she's like, "What is happening? What do you want?" Yeah, well, and she she kind of takes a while to finally really get him to tell her what it is that he wants. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's such an interesting. This is where the movie itself, as a as a movie, it's not good. <laughs> it's not just <laughs> that the story is like, oh, that's crazy. It's like the movie isn't well made and it's not very well told and that's part of the problem is like there's all this setup that doesn't really get set up it's just kind of things start to just happen and Mm -hmm. you're just supposed to roll with it and so by the time it gets to the point like proteus's main point of i want to have a child um a human-ish child that will get to experience what it's like to be a human um, we're pretty far into the movie by that point. And Proteus yeah. is also very, very much already established as the villain to the point where you can't really ever feel even empathy for him. Of Like, oh, this is what he wants. Like, poor thing. You know, it's like, no, this is terrible. This needs to die. Yeah, because 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 a good portion of the film, he's tor- he's just torturing Julie Christie. And he's yes. like, why are you torturing Julie Christie? <laughs> like, leave her alone. Mm-hmm. um and, and and that's kind of her reaction too just like why are you doing this leave me alone and and it's it's an interesting kind of play on the home invasion trope yeah um where you've got this this villain and in this case it's a computer right and and you're asking like okay why are you doing this what is what is the whole point here i in watching this film when you finally get to the i want to have a child i was sitting there going like okay how <laughs> you have to explain how at this exact moment, you need to explain to me how this is possible because he's obviously worked it out. And I'm like, okay, you need to explain because you're a computer. Yeah, computers don't have the parts for <laughs> that. And it takes a little while, but he does finally explain it. It's a silly explanation, but he does ex- at least explain like, okay, here's how we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and ultimately, uh, it works, and he uh, <laughs> he's able to impregnate Julie Christie with his demon seed, and and 
create like a child it takes like 28 days or something like that i think for Mm -hmm. for her to give birth to a child that he then won't let her see because he's just like no you can't see this you good because you're not gonna love it if if you see it yeah like it's not ready yet (laughs) none of this is at all traumatizing (laughs) like none of it um yeah it's it's one of those films that i think would be a lot more disturbing in a lot of ways if it was a better made film Mm -hmm. um but because it's so crazy in so many different ways and because it doesn't answer a whole bunch of questions it's not as distressing yeah Um, it ends up becoming silly yeah you you reach a point where you're just like well this is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) like but um one of the things that, that that we talked about when when I initially watched the film and that we were discussing uh, on on Slack was that it's very, even though it's not a good film, I think it does express a certain um, hysteria, particularly a male hysteria, about what AI is. Yeah, and very often a lot of AI stories, and particularly something like this, is that they're very often created by men, um, and they they play out in a lot of ways as kind of a modern Frankenstein story. Mm-hmm um where you've got the male creator who is making something that is human um without the participation or involvement of of you know a a female or a womb or anything like that so this is it's like non-biological reproduction essentially right um and the thing that they create is something that they believe they can control right and that's part of the the element of of Frankenstein is that you're creating life, not just in an attempt to create life and to kind of play God or play woman or whatever, but to actually be in control of that life. And what happens is, as with Frankenstein, is that it turns out this thing that you created to be human is human and reacts in human ways, including going crazy, wanting to reproduce, uh, you know, wanting to protect its own life questioning it's questioning the orders that you give it all of those things and so the horror of a lot of ai stories is this creation of something by men that is not controllable and very often that that then becomes identified with um with women and so in this case it's a very personal thing right proteus invades the house and essentially rapes julie christie like that's what happens yeah um and and, but so much of it is about the communication between these two uncontrollable things, right? AI and women and, mm-hmm. and the female. Um, and essentially what happens in Demon Seed is that Proteus bypasses maleness um, and bypasses the need for men in the reproductive process, essentially. So he becomes, he, you know, Proteus is a computer, so he's not, he doesn't have a gender really. Um, becomes the parent of this pro this like hybrid human AI creature. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the big things is is something that we see frequently in these types of movies, especially ones where it's AI kind of taking over. Um, and it, so much of it is about AI realizing that um, men and I'm. I'm not saying this as an attack on men. This is more of a commentary on what what these movies are doing. But AI is basically coming to the conclusion that men are unnecessary and they could do a <laughs> <Yeah>. better job. <laughs> yeah, no, it, exactly. And I think that, that that's why I'm saying that, you know, Demon Seed is, is very much a interesting but not very good right. depiction of, of, hyster- of male hysteria. Right. Yeah. That, this, that this is like, because that's essentially what happens. Proteus bypasses the need for men. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but women are still needed. So females, right? Women with with biologically biological women are still needed to give birth, right? But men are not required in any sense. Exactly. Men are superfluous. Yeah, and and I think that that speaks a lot to the the fears that men really have in you know in the world is that they are being kind of cut out, like they're like part mm-hmm. of part of men in real life, not just in movies, but like part of real life, what we see so much of is uh, so many problems that we have is because men are are clinging to uh, power and control because they can sense that they're losing it. And these movies really, um, really shine a light on that and really use that to, to drive these plots. And uh, yeah. So demon seed is one where it's like, Oh, it does some really interesting things. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> It's like, I'm not, I'm trying to decide if it's one of those so bad it's good type of movies. I don't think it is, Um, but it does, (laughs) it does interesting enough things that it's worth your time to watch it. Yeah. I, I, like, I don't think that it's aware of some of the things that it's grappling with. Like I I don't get the sense that the film or the creator or the author, anyone completely understands what it is they're expressing. But I, I, I find it for that reason, I think that it's really fascinating because it does give this insight mm-hmm. into this, this hysterical terror, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and AI in particular, I think really catalyzes that uh, for, for a, a lot of people. And there, there's a lack of awareness, but because there's no awareness, it's like this, psychological investigation basically yeah Yeah, it's true it's very true any other thoughts about demon seed props to julie christie uh who has to carry a huge section of the film and is trying really hard like and i think that she's aware at some point that she's not in a good movie Mm -hmm. but it's just like you know what i'm gonna give it my all and her reactions are absolutely on point just like yes if my house suddenly took over and <laughs> was like saying, I would like to impregnate you. Um, that is exactly how I would react. Props, props to you, Julie Christie. Yes. By the way, this is a really good argument for if you want to go smart home route, that's fine, but don't do the locks. Keep regular real locks. Cause then you can. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> This, no, this is exactly why I'm just like, I am not getting like, you know, Amazon voice or whatever the fucking Google Nest, all of that shit. Like, no, absolutely not. Ring doorbells. Fuck you. Like, I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. <laughs> I do have an Alexa and I like it. Um, but nope. that's it. I don't have anything else. I, I won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely never going to have a smart lock. So that's for sure. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, I also wanted to mention the character design of the <laughs> Proteus machine terminal that is in the house. What? Why? What? <laughs> it, it makes itself into this pyramid triangle metallic thingy. Why? It, yeah, it's it. There's a toy that we used to have, um, like when I was a kid, that basically did that. It was this series of of little tiny pyramids that you could like unfold so it was like a long line of them but it could you could like reconfigure it i don't even know why we played with this toy it sounds so boring but um you could like kind of move it into different shapes but the biggest 
thing mm-hmm. like when you folded it all up together was this this pyramid like this giant pyramid and that's exactly what proteus was and i was like i don't understand the functionality <laughs> of this that's that's the thing it seems like such an odd choice let's just say you're this like brilliant supercomputer thing that can do that like knows everything and that's what you that's what you choose to like build yourself as like Mm -hmm. that's okay why i just want to know if anyone who's listening has seen this film and like or has read the book it was a book originally by dean Koontz. if you and you can give some insight as to why this happens please i want to know because i don't (laughs) understand yeah i don't understand and i also don't want to take the time to read the book (laughs) also i want to know why no one questions what happened to walter because poor walter who's the only person who tries to like actually fucking do anything and fails at it but you know at least he tries yeah um and then he's just vanished and people know him like it's not like he's this totally isolated dude uh and he just like disappears and apparently at no point does anyone go like hey where's walter yeah we haven't seen him for a month yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh it's wild and it's available on criterion it is (laughs) um so so we wanted to also talk about um the idea of ai in um in like how it gets used in businesses and how it becomes ripe for corruption, greed, uh, all of that, um, which definitely, absolutely would never ever happen. Just you know, hypothetically, theoretically. Um, <laughs> anyway, so another movie we want to talk about now is Johnny Mnemonic from 1995, and this one has Keanu Reeves um, as as Johnny who plays this courier who keeps data in his head. And so it's like this, um, it's it's set in the, the future, uh, the 1995 version of 2021, what that would look like. <laughs> um, so it's a past future, um, which that's a whole other episode we're going to talk about next week. And we're excited for that too. But, um, but anyway, so this is set in 2021 where now um, people can carry data in their brain and corporations have completely bought into to AI and, and these supercomputers and things. And everything is owned by the corporations because, of course, it is. Because, I mean, that actually is really accurate for 2021. Um, anyway, uh, and in this case, Johnny is specifically carrying a package that if he doesn't deliver and get it out of his brain within a couple of days, he is going to die. And... Um, yeah so um this is another movie that i'm like is this good (laughs) no it's not it's not good (laughs) which but that's actually batshit it's batshit which i appreciate yeah well there's a couple of interesting things about johnny mnemonic so first of all um the the original so it's based on a screenplay that or based on a short story the Mm -hmm. writer of the screenplay wrote the short story I think in yeah. like the early eighties. Yeah, William and, William Gibson. William yes. Gibson, who's like the the kind of king of cyberpunk, basically. Yeah. And so he wrote this short story. Uh and he and Robert Longo were working on it together. They cast Keanu Reeves. Speed blows up and becomes a huge hit. And so then the studio, because at this point it's owned by Sony, 
Um, so they're just like, they want to capitalize on Keanu Reeves' star power. So they turn it from this like kind of smaller in like indie feeling cyberpunk, like just sci-fi movie into, we want this to be a big action movie. And so there was a lot of studio interference. So the movie that ended up coming out, the colorized version, because they actually have two different versions on um, Criterion. I haven't watched the black and white one yet. Um, But the colorized version is very much not the original vision of Longo or Gibson, apparently. So uh, that that makes me feel it. Yeah. That makes me feel a bit better because, um, like, I I appreciate William Gibson's work a great deal. <laughs> and watching this, I was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Um. Ha- what happened, bro? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that the black and white version actually uses thing like it is different. They did it. They didn't just like turn it black and white. They actually re-edited some of it too, so it it fits more in line with how they wanted it. Um. But yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that one. But yeah, to answer what you were originally saying, no, this movie isn't good. But again, it raises some interesting things. And I think it's a really good, um, very, very timely Mm -hmm. message about how corporations would would use artificial intelligence and weaponize data um, for their own purposes. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think that it's interesting in that a lot of it, there is an AI figure, right? But yes. a lot of it is about the modification of human beings into something different, right? So the whole thing with with Johnny and other couriers like him being able to upload information to their brains like computers. Um, the the number of different, uh, the different characters that have like physical modifications made to their bodies um to to like make them stronger faster you know being able to do all of these things and it's it again it's that blurring of the line between machine and humanity and what that what that means in this case it's like pushing humanity closer to machine right trying to essentially modify human beings to the point that they become machines to the to the point that you know if you you don't have enough gigabytes in your brain (laughs) um and you haven't been upgraded enough. Like they talk about Johnny not being upgraded enough to be able to handle the amount of information that is in his brain. Uh, And because of that, it's like pushing out other things like memories, like his past, all all sorts of things. So it's this sort of turning human beings into robots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say about this one. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's a difficult film in a lot of ways because so like again this this is one definitely that when I was approaching it I was I expected one thing and got something different. Um, it does feel very like it predates the Matrix, but it feels very much like the Matrix before the Matrix kind yeah. of thing. Um, and part of that is because of Keanu Reeves, but uh, but part of it is also like this this whole cyberpunk aesthetic um, and this whole idea about human beings being able to be plugged in and their bodies to be modified and their brains to be modified and to and this this one character played by Keanu Reeves having essentially the capacity to control a a a huge section of of you know like computer worlds right being able to interact with the computer world and and then on on the other side of it, you've got these characters called the low techs who are kind of rejecting a lot of that stuff, but also communicate with dolphins um, mm-hmm. who are like imprisoned in tanks for some reason. <laughs> there's not? a lot. 
there's a lot of WTF stuff in this film, I think, that kind of obscures some of the more interesting elements of it. Um, and and particularly this this line between humanity and robots, and also as you're saying, the, the the lengths to which corporations will go. Because the whole point, so again, spoiler alert for Johnny Mnemonic, the whole point of the what is what Johnny is carrying in his brain is um is basically a solution a uh, a cure for a disease <laughs> that is being caused by technology yeah a disease that has kind of cropped up because people <laughs> spend all their time in this like virtual uh yeah like cyberspace basically yeah and so they're they're literally being kind of infected by by technology and this is going to this is going to, this information is something that a pharmaceutical corporation has, but doesn't actually want to give to the general public because they're not going to make money off of it. So it's an interest, you know, it's interesting, especially given that this film is set in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, not of course with night and night, you know, made in 1995, but not of course knowing uh, what was going to happen with, with COVID and stuff like that. Obviously it's a different situation, but it is very bizarre. I think in watching this film to, you know, some of the initial opening shots are like people with protest signs wearing masks. Yeah. And it's, and like talking about the black shakes and, you know, and no one really knows how, the, how, you know, initially it's like, how do you get this disease and can you cure this disease and all of this stuff. It's really interesting to watch it from the perspective of, you know, now 2023. Um, right. Especially when it was written in the eighties too. Yeah, it, it is. It, I won't, I won't say that this is prescient particularly because it goes to very bizarre places, but it does kind of look at the way that humanity kind of engages with technology and particularly when human beings panic and what they panic over. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would agree. I wouldn't say it's prescient, but I would say that it, um, there's a level of understanding of, of human psychology, I think more than anything. Well, and again, I think I think that in a similar way to Demon Seed, um, it gives a good insight whether whether or not it intends to, right? But it gives a good insight into um, into the way that human beings relate to technology, and this this whole idea of like you know, isn't it a great idea to you know be able to upgrade your memory, um, be able to make yourself more into a computer? But of course, the the price, the cost of that is you know sacrificing your humanity. Um, sacrificing all of the things that make you you solely in order to to make money or to be able to contain more information. So it's like this hybrid idea of of human beings with artificial intelligence that essentially turns human beings into machines. Right. Yeah. And in the more that that humans keep doing this and the more that they keep basically, um, being so caught up in this world, this virtual world. Um, and even while they're, they're getting sick and dying, um, they're the, the corporations don't want to like, they would rather their customers die off than lose interest, I guess. Um, in, in using, using their technology. So it's, it's like, well, we'll just always have more customers. We can't handle people you know going offline basically and that's why they yeah. want to stop this cure from getting out into the world yeah exactly so it's i yeah i find it, again it's one of those it's just like is this a good film no but it's it's interesting and i it does give 
it does give a certain kind of insight. Also, like Keanu Reeves has some great speeches in it. I have to say, like his whole speech about wanting to get room service um, mm-hmm. is, is is fantastic. I I saw someone compare it to Nick Cage's speech about being a vampire in um, uh, Kiss of the uh, Kiss of the Vampire. Kiss yeah. The vampire, yeah. And and it's similar to that. And it's just like it's this actually very good actor in a lot of ways, just going crazy and talking very loudly and continuously about in a way that it's just like I'm not certain what this means at this point. Yeah. I know it's it's I I, I really should watch the black and white version because now I'm curious like if it's actually better or if it just looks cooler. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but um but yeah i think that this movie had a lot of of interesting things to say about um about corporations and how they would eventually weaponize um technology against us you know corporations are gonna do their thing and that part turned out to be totally accurate but i think because the seeds were there like i mean this is a concern that we've been talking about since the 60s with 2001 or even before then um well it, it's it, you know in a similar way to something like um demon seed it's that combination of technology making our lives easier right uh and but also making it less human and in a lot of ways more dangerous and the, the ability of that technology to be used in bad ways Right. Um, and, and, hope- and human beings willingly participating in that. That's the other thing. Like, you know, it's not like anyone forces Johnny to become a courier. It's not it's not like anyone forces him to upgrade his memory or to force out, you know, portions of his life in order to have a, a, a bigger storage capacity. Yeah. Right. He's willingly becoming a machine. And that's just it. Like these these companies, they give us just enough of like, oh, this sounds good. So then we want it. And then you know, that's how they kind of work their way in. And then in the case of the AI, then the AI Mm -hmm. is able to um, uh, exploit that, that human trait of like, oh yeah, I want something that's going to make life easier and willing to just accept until they're suddenly caught in this trap and can't get out. And then they're impregnated by a demon baby, computer baby. (laughs) Oh no, I'm still hung up on demons. Anyway, computer baby. So that's that's what the child of a computer and a human would look like. All right, good to know. <laughs> oh, so weird, so weird. Anyway, any other thoughts on Johnny Mnemonic? I like the no, cast. I, it's it's a great cast. Like I, the aesthetics are so cyberpunk, and um, it's interesting these these three films that we're talking about. It's because because the Demon Seed is very nineteen seventies. Like it's very kind of a little bit of futurism but it's it's very much like this no this is happening in you know 1977 right mm-hmm. um that's what it feels like the the clothing everything like that the johnny mnemonic is like a 90s vision of what the future looks like so it's that cyberpunk um it's that cyberpunk aesthetic like the fishnet stockings and the the um uh the leather jackets and like you know the kind of the mad max outfits and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then we get to the next film that we're going to talk about and it's much cleaner and prettier but also like it's this interesting combination of nature and futuristic you know quote futuristic elements yeah um and obviously all of these films are have very different 
they're very different visions of what the future looks like and and things like that. So, but it's interesting how, you know, one is just like this kind of dystopian element. And the, the other one is like, it's not dystopian. It's, it makes more sense in terms of the progress of, of where human beings might actually end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now we have After Gang, which came out in mm-hmm. 2021. Uh, so just two years ago, this, I believe, premiered at Cannes um, and then ended up being released. Uh, actually, yeah, I think this was just out last year for audiences. I don't think it's been out yeah. two years. Um, yeah, it, it premiered it premiered at Cannes and then again at Sundance, Sundance. In, in America and then it was released in uh March 2022. Yeah, there you go. Um this was an A24 movie but it's it's um it, it's a lot more subdued than a lot of A24 movies. Um anyway, cuz they kind of have their aesthetic and mm. I feel like this one feels less like a well, more like how the direction of the studio going now, but Anyway, um, it stars Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith play this married couple who have an adopted daughter. She is uh, adopted from China. And um, this is set at some point in the future. It's not we're not given a date, but it it the world is recognizable to us. So it's not mm-hmm. like 100 and, you know, 500 years in the future or anything. Um but uh, but it's we're not given a specific time of when this takes place. But basically, the world that they live in, what has happened is there's a company that created these AI, um, like uh, what do they call them, techno sapiens. So mm. they look very human, and they are programmed to become a a big brother or a big sister to your adopted child so that it can help the child feel connected, feel, um, get an understanding of the culture that they come from in this case with their daughter being Chinese and they are not, um, they have Yang who is basically her big brother who, because he's an AI, he knows Chinese, he knows lots of history and culture, and he's able to connect her to her Chinese heritage in that Mm -hmm. way. But as the movie opens, um, it's kind of Yang has, has shut down. And so most of the movie deals with Colin Farrell as the dad trying to find ways to, to solve this, trying to get Yang back um, in working order, but that, it's not uh, it's not happening because he's refurbished and refurbished and he's just kind of at the end of his life cycle. Mm-hmm. But really what the movie is about and why I wanted to talk about this as such a such a um, counterpoint, I think, to, to movies like Demon Seed and Johnny Mnemonic is this is a much gentler movie. And it's really about um, this is really a much more. um beautiful and calm i think <laughs> look at how ai <laughs> would actually be interested in humanity um that's a, that's, a, that's an understatement <laughs> jesus you know uh anyway um but it's it's really it's more of it's this very sweet very uh, really lovely view of this character gang played by justin min who gives such a such a tender performance here and um and his interactions with with humanity when you tap into his memories and see mm-hmm. the things that that he felt were important to save and and just what that says about 
uh, about him and and about how he views the the world around him. It's it's. What are your thoughts about After Yang? This I found this a very like a really fascinating film, and and about partway through, I I was suddenly like, oh, this is about grief, right? It's mm-hmm. about this loss, right? Because and there's there's a certain point in which the um the Colin Farrell character Jake begins referring to Yang as his son. Yeah. Um, and in fact, at one point in kind of a flashback element, he remembers this conversation that he had and he's like, oh, you know, tea, because he Jake runs a tea shop um, where he sells tea, like like actual leaves. And there's there's an implication that this is unusual in this world um, to actually have tea that that is made directly from leaves instead of from crystals. And um, and he talks to, he's talking to Yang about, you know, how to make tea and what tea means and all that. And he says that, you know, tea shops are usually passed down from uh, within families. And so he says, so maybe I should start teaching you how to to um, to make tea. Right. And so there's this implication throughout the film that and it's maybe even something that he that Jake that Jake himself and Kira are not aware of um, is that they they have come to view Yang over the course of whatever five years as their child like as much as their actual child is their mm-hmm. child um and it i don't think that that condemns them in any sense it's not like oh you're treating this robot as, as something different from as something similar to your your actual human blood um it's it's more that this like yang is so human and approximates humanity so closely that they begin to understand him and relate to him not as a product that are is kind of there to help them but as an actual human being and yang reacts to them in in a in very human ways but he also says things like you know i don't know if i'm programmed for that and then kira says well i think the human beings are programmed for it mm-hmm. so 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 much of the story is about not yang as being like this this thing but as being a, a sentient creature that is like humans, but different from humans. Right. And the film allows like the characters to kind of explore that and what that means and what that means to, you know, our own understanding of humanity. I like the fact that it, it's never Yang is a human being, but that Yang is also not, not a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so much of what we get with Yang is, is memory. It's, it's his mm-hmm. memories, seeing the world through his eyes, but also like their Jake and Kira, especially their memories of him. And um, I, I think that uh, in a way that is, let's say, oh man, there's something specific I was going to mention. Um, but I think that one of the things that uh, is really interesting about Yang, uh, especially when he when he shuts down and they're trying to, well, Jake's trying to find a solution. Kira's kind of waiting for updates and things. You really see how in a in a much less dangerous but um, but equally important way how they have come to rely on him for so much. Like mm-hmm. when he's out of commission now, suddenly they have a childcare issue. You know, they both work and they have a little girl who they used to be able to just leave with Yang. And when she would get up in the middle of the night and need water, Yang was the one that was there for her. And uh, he just, he caused, he, he brought so much, uh, he made things so easy for them. They Mm -hmm. didn't even realize in, in the ways that that happened. 
And, um, and so I think, especially for Kira, which she's, she's much less of a focal character in this, um, but still very good. And it's a good uh, performance from Jodie Turner Smith too. But, um, but for her, it's like, she just kind of shuts off. Like when, when Yang is gone, she just, she doesn't really, it's not until much later in the film that she really starts to let herself um, feel that. Like at first she just Mm -hmm. looks at it as an inconvenience of like, now, you know, now my husband's not going to be home. Like I have to solve this problem, you know, of like, who's going to watch my daughter. Um, She doesn't, she, she can't bring herself to, to think of Yang in the way that he really was part of their life. Um, But I think that it's, it's interesting because even though this is a very, very different movie, I think that it still really shows the way that we rely on technology almost mm-hmm. without even realizing that we are doing so. Yeah. And and when that technology is gone for some reason, when it malfunctions, mm-hmm. right, it, it's suddenly we're like, oh, shit, this is yeah. like, this was really important. You know, I, I sometimes even just sometimes think about what happens when the electricity goes out and you suddenly realize how much you rely on something so simple and that's so ubiquitous, Mm -hmm. right? That's just like, of course, electricity, but then the electricity goes out. It's like, shit, (laughs) you know, I know I can't, there are all of these things that I can't can't even cook food. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like I have a refrigerator, I have a whole bunch of food that's going to spoil, you know, all of that stuff. Um, And, and electricity is something that's, that's obviously so simple, but like, you know, when, you don't you don't have access to wi-fi when your gps screws up all of those sorts of things um and but yeah in in this case you have a very complicated uh, so that's that's why i think that the film it's almost like jake and kira particularly come to realize that what they're experiencing is grief yeah that it isn't just you know this thing that that malfunctioned and that we've got to now go buy a new one but this being that really was a major part of their life was a part of their family and that is now gone and they initially you know the um the little girl uh mika Mika, yeah um she her reaction to the loss of yang is exactly that it's grief Mm -hmm. all of the things that she does the way that she responds is exactly a small child having lost their brother or their sister Right. Um, and and not really knowing how to process that and acting out because of it and being upset and refusing to, you know, behave, behave correctly, et cetera. And her parents initially obviously don't don't seem to understand it almost. And then as the film goes on and particularly as Jake gets deeper into Yang's memories and sees that Yang had this al- this other existence that he knew nothing about. Um, that's when, you know, you, it really begins to hit home that this is, this is about loss. So this is about the, this is about death, mm-hmm. right. And working through that and understanding what that means. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because like you say, it's that, that dependence on technology, but also dependence on other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and Yang straddles the line between that he's machine and human. And I think it does such a good job of showing how, um how much we need that connection like you really get mm-hmm. the sense immediately from 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 the beginning when yang isn't working you really get the sense that um he has become kind of a substitute 
not just not just for them like oh okay he you know we're gonna treat him like a real person but you really see the the cracks in the marriage between jake and kira where they probably haven't spent much time other than this fun family dance competition uh they probably (laughs) haven't spent a whole lot of time together as a family because they've just been so reliant on yang to take care of their daughter and they're each, mm-hmm. you know, busy with, he's busy with his business. She's busy with whatever it is that she does and uh, with her work. And they're not connected to each other. Like as a family unit, they are not really connected. Yeah. And part of that, a big, big part of that is simply because Yang has, has uh, erased that need. They don't, they yeah. don't need to spend time together because they have him. Well, and, and Yang uh, or, or Kira mentions that early on at one point she's just like you know we got yang in order to try to connect mika to her her past right mm-hmm. to to being chinese and to teach her um you know what what it, what does it mean to be chinese all of those sorts of things but we've used him as a crutch right um and she actually taught like she recognizes that obviously but that's that's part of what the film is about is about them working through that and mm-hmm. and coming to accept that uh you know so yang might not be fixable that this might not be something that we can repair and they even they also then talk about how we can't just replace him we can't just go and buy a new a, a new ai a new sibling right um and and that kind of hammers them first because they can't they don't have the money to do it um but second of all because yang was yang and it it hammers home again that sense that that he is he's both amped right he's not something that's bad. Like he hasn't, you know, removed them completely from humanity, but he's also not something that is, is good because they have used him as, as a crutch mm-hmm. um, and as kind of a way to avoid engaging with their daughter, engaging, you know, I, I think that that, that whole scene where um, Mika gets up to get a glass of water and Jake didn't know that his daughter had this habit of getting up in the middle of the night to go get a glass of water. Yeah. And he asks her, you know, well, why didn't you just ask Yang to get you? And she said, well, I like to get my own water. So there's this this ritual, basically, that her and Yang had of getting up that her parents had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very important, obviously, to her and to her experience. And now she's lost the person that she did that with. Right. Um, and so it becomes about like him, you know, OK, now I'm going to get up and get my daughter and go with my daughter to get a glass of water, that kind of thing. Yeah. I also love this whole side journey for Yang where he has this friend that they didn't know about and mm-hmm. um, played by Haley R- Lou Richardson. And um, even like when you get into more of like his memories and understand this past life that he had that they don't know about. Um, but even in their present world that he's living in with them, He's got a friend that he spends time with, that he's gone to a concert with, that he met at a coffee mm-hmm. shop and um, and that obviously meant a lot to him. And just this idea that that they have this this being living in their home who has this whole life and they've only they've only let themselves look at him as like uh, like an, probably more than an appliance, but um but not as a full-fledged, you know, person with, with a, yeah. a life. And he has one. Yeah. It's a, it's, a dis- it's a discovery of, of his, of a version of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there, there's an interesting element that's kind of lurking in the background of clones. Yeah. 
um, that that shows up, and it's never completely explained, like what, like it, it's completely it's explained that they that these are like clones of other of other right. people, <laughs> but so they're not produced in the normal you know biological way, but um, but there's there's like a, a prejudice against them. At least Jake has a little bit of a prejudice against clones, but again, it's it's that reinforcement of different ways of being human almost, or different, different forms of humanity, not just ways of being human, but different forms of humanity that have their own experiences of, of life, of existence. And nearing, like nearing the end of the film, it's, it's talked about that, you know, Yang's existence was important and that's something that we need to maintain that we need to preserve. Yeah. Um, And so there's, there's this really interesting progression and an understanding of different types of existence and all of those things as being valuable. And the film manages to explore that via the use of the, this kind of technology, like AI and, and cloning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love, I mean, I, I, I want people to, that haven't seen this yet and it's still a fairly newer movie. So I don't want to say everything that happens in the end, but um, it's also available on uh, criterion, but um, I do love that, that by the time you get to the end, they also have this really beautiful moment where you kind of see that, that sign of like um, in a way Yang gets to live on no matter what happens to him. Yang gets to live on because of this connection that he had with this family. And I think mm-hmm. that that is ultimately um, really what bring what keeps us connected as humans is like, even after we die, the people that we knew and that we impacted will remember us. And, and so we will live on in that way. Yeah. A lot of the film is very much about memory mm-hmm. and, and exploring memory and exploring who we are via that and like so so part of the whole thing is what do you what does yang this ai think is important to preserve yeah and it's interesting that a lot you know there are those important things like the way that someone looks at him or an image that he sees of himself in a mirror but there's also things like you know trees and and you know flowers and stuff like that an open door yeah these moments of that are so important. And I, and then that's mirrored in some of the flashbacks from Kira and from Jake's perspective mm-hmm. of remembering these conversations that they had with him or these moments that, um, that they experienced the repetition of that, that whole, uh, the scene where he's taking a picture of them mm-hmm. and the different memories of that. So it's, it's again, that, that kind of connection that these are the things that we preserve and that are important to preserve. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. I really love it. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I was very glad to see it. Um, I didn't get to see it uh whatever it came out last year and it kind of like I have a a little bit of nervousness when it comes to AI stories because I sometimes <laughs> like because of of I something I think that I was mentioning uh earlier i don't uh, when we weren't recording which is that i kept on waiting for like yang to go crazy and murder people (laughs) like there there is a little bit of that because so many ai stories are about exactly that Mm -hmm. um you know that like i kept on thinking of megan which interestingly enough you know comes out a year later (laughs) yeah and Uh, and deals with some very similar things (laughs) yes yes only only in a crazy way you know sort of closer to demon seed in a lot of ways (laughs) 
but uh but so yeah so in, in and watching and in watching this film i was like it's not gonna happen like i know that he's not gonna go crazy and start killing people but i keep on waiting for it mm-hmm. <laughs> so funny yes megan is a very very different movie um but yeah but uh, but what i was saying as far as like some very similar things that it deals with is like the way that that people can use this to kind of um play surrogate to their own parenting and yeah, opt out um, opt yeah. out basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah so both are, are warnings one is is really more of a warning of of like don't get too attached because you're gonna lose them and it's gonna be sad <laughs> and the other is don't get too attached because it's gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> oh any final thoughts as we wrap things up now, I th- I think that this this whole thing is very interesting and and it does I think all films that deal with AI speak to a certain anxiety about that human beings have about losing our humanity about not understanding what it means to be human and kind of blurring that line between what is human and what isn't even weirdly enough thinking about uh, in this conversation about after Yang I was thinking about how human beings will pack bond with anything and. Mm-hmm you know, we give names to our cars. We, you know, get like, I, I, I recently, a couple of years ago, we had to finally get rid of the car that I had driven for quite a long time. It was like ancient. It had gone to Florida. It had gone to all sorts of places. Um, and it was time. It was like, this car was not going to function any further. I was upset. I was like, legitimately, like I had grief <laughs> over having to, when my parents were finally like, you know, I think it's time that we, that it's just not going to function <laughs> more and i was like no but that but 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 we went to florida together (laughs) like i told i told some of my friends who'd like taken some of these trips with me and they were just like oh i love roaring thunder (laughs) but it's it's like a car it's a piece of it's a machine you know it does not communicate with me or anything but it is that kind of like we get attached to certain things we get sad when we have to say goodbye to to you know things like your Roomba and shit like that. <laughs> um, your iPod, all of my iPods have had different names and things like that. So it's, it's interesting. And I think that, I think that human beings do that. You know, we, we attach ourselves to things that are not human and that we, that we feel for, we actually have this like emotional connection to. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of AI stories are about exactly that. And also about our fear of losing our connections to things because we we engage so much with technology yeah that is very true and next week we're going to be talking about movies where the movies set in the future that is now the past yes i'm looking forward to that (laughs) it's gonna be so fun i'm really excited for that so so be sure to come back and if you have any thoughts or, or questions um, in preparation for that episode, please be sure to let us know. And if you have any any thoughts or comments about this episode, um, please also uh, reach out because we love to hear from from all of you. Um, you can find us um, in lots of ways. We uh, first of all want to thank our patrons who help keep the show going. Um, they are Ollie, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Karen, Cariata, Lauren, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. I think we got another one too that's not on the list yet, but um, so sorry if that is you and I have not updated this. I will for next week. Um, 
if you would like to join and become a patron too, you can go to patreon.com slash citizen dame and your contributions help keep the show going and keep us hosted and, and all that stuff. And, um, and you also just get to know that you're helping keep feminist film conversations in the world. And we appreciate you. We do have bonus episodes. We have a new one that we've just recorded. That'll be out uh, by the time that you're hearing this, it's already out on, on Patreon, Patreon. And that is um, for the new mission impossible or no, not for the new mission impossible for the first mission impossible uh, movie. And we will also have another bonus episode coming on the new Barbie movie as well. Um, So, you know, you want to, you know, you want to hear those, get in on that and go to Patreon. Um, we do have our Zazzle store, Zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod and Ko-Fi, co-fi.com slash citizen dame. If you'd like to, to contribute that way without a, a commitment, um, you can find, uh, lots of stuff from us. We have our website, citizen where we do have some reviews. I just posted a review for haunted mansion, um, which I enjoyed. It's not a perfect movie. It's actually, you know, in some ways it's a little bit silly, but it's way better than the Eddie Murphy one. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you can reach out to us on email. We have uh, citizendamepod at gmail.com. We're also on the social medias. We're on still Twitter, sort of, uh, and Instagram at citizendamepod. And then our letterbox is citizendame. Lauren, where are you at these days? <laughs> I I'm on the various socials, including now I'm I'm actually on Blue Sky, which is exciting. Uh, <laughs> but all of the various socials, I am on I'm on there at LH Business, and I am also on all the socials, especially like including Blue Sky uh, at Karen M Peterson. And as soon as we get invite codes, I'm putting citizen Dame over there too. So yeah, <laughs> we're just waiting for the codes or the public offering, whichever comes first. So anyway, but those are all the ways you can find us. Basically, if you're on a social media platform, just look for our names and we'll probably be there. Yep. <laughs> so thank you all so much for listening. We really enjoyed having you and hope you have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Good morning, Marge. Good morning, Pierce. Where's Homer? Uh, I think he went to work early. That sounds like a lie. (gasps) Hello, police. I think my house killed my husband. This is Constable Wickham's. We'll be right there. Remove your knickers and wait in the park.